0: all right, oh, right. Welcome back to Drop Pass Podcast. Episode number 4 is now underway and today we have a content filled episode ahead of us. Summer is also just around the corner, which means off seasons for most major leagues as well as the upcoming Summer Olympics and European Championships for the football fans. Nevertheless we will continue onwards and stay on track with our designated sports so don't worry we won't transform into a track and field podcast during this summer because my expertise doesn't reach those levels unfortunately. I might add few major news to episodes but overall you probably won't see too much coverage on that matter but We'll see. I also want to mention that I'm already planning on having guests on this podcast at some point, as you could expect, because after all, it would be nice to add few new voices in the future episodes as well and let you guys hear from professional athletes as well as people who are closely involved in sports as well. I already have a few guests lined up. But if you have someone who might be willing to take part in the future episodes or you want to turn yourself in, just hit me up in those DMs and I check what I can do to make it happen. But overall, the idea is still quite fresh and the process has just started. So don't expect guests for the next episode. And we'll see how things turn out and what happens in the future. But like I mentioned last week, We now have two new champions in the European football scene. Congrats to them. And more importantly, hopefully you didn't place any bets based on my predictions. Since both of them went well over the crossbar, just like David Beckham's penalty against Turkey in 2003 Euro qualifiers. World Hockey Championships saw the end of preliminary rounds and the first teams from the NBA playoffs have made their way to the next round as well. Also, we will take a look at first major signings and transfers in the European football grounds and end it with my predictions on the remaining eight teams continuing their journey towards the Stanley Cup. So, without further ado... Let's get going. First, before I forget, I want to give a shout out to my buddy Ilmar Niskanen and FC Ingolstadt for getting promoted to the second Bundesliga after winning VFL Osnabrück by the aggregate of 3 to 4. They got their place back in the German second tier after being demoted to the third Bundesliga after 2018-2019 season, so big congrats to you, my friend, as well. Then we move on to the Europa League final, Manchester United against Villarreal, which was a thriller that came to a conclusion after penalties. The first half was mostly dominated by the Red Devils, having the best chances, even though Gerard Moreno started the scoring in the 29th minute from a free kick from Dani Parejo when United defense fell asleep. The lead didn't hold for too long though. Edison Cavani continued his hot streak and even the game in the 55th minute after a partially broken play. United kept the tempo up in the second half as well and had the best chances, but couldn't capitalize on their scoring chances. The match was fairly heated from start to finish, and both teams ended the night with two yellow cards and committed a total of 25 fouls during the final. The overtime saw only few chances, which were not that threatening, and the winner was decided in the penalty shootout. All ten infield players scored for both teams, and it came down to the battle of the goaltenders. Terroni Morulli first put the ball in the top right corner, and after that sealed the game with save against fellow netminder David De Gea. And the Spanish side had won their first Europa League title in the club's history. It was nice to see them win the championship after such a hard-fought battle against the English Giants, And this meant that both of the teams will have a spot in the Champions League next season. Next up, the Champions League final. Manchester City against Chelsea. The match was played under the lights of Estadio de Dragao in Portugal. And the matchup was extremely intriguing since Chelsea came to this matchup with slight mental advantage. Because they had beaten the City twice quite recently in the FA Cup as well as the Premier League. Still, they were facing the reigning Premier League champions who had beaten PSG quite casually in their semi-final matchup. The game was very balanced and both teams had dangerous chances in the first half. Timo Werner could have moved Chelsea up front early on since he had two great chances inside the box but couldn't bury either of them in the 37th minute Thomas Tuchel had to sub off Thiago Silva after in-air collision with Phil Foden and right after the substitution City's defense parted like the Red Sea and Mason Mount delivered absolutely gorgeous through ball to Kai Havertz who choked around Ederson at the edge of the box and finished the chance giving the Chelsea lead right before the halftime. The second half started quite dramatically when Chelsea centre-back Antonio Rudiger collided with City star Kevin De Bruyne, which led to Rudiger receiving a yellow card from the incident and De Bruyne getting subbed off because of an injury. The City was thriving for the equaliser, but Chelsea's defence and especially their captain Cesar Azpilicueta was rock solid in their own half and saved them from multiple dangerous scoring chances. In the 72nd minute Christian Pulisic who came off the bench had a chance to clinch the game for the Blues when he had a partial breakaway but shot it just wide of the goal. But that didn't matter. Chelsea defended well until the end and they were crowned as the champions of the biggest European team competition this year. Their best player by far was as expected the heart and soul of their midfield Ngolo Kanté who was once again outstanding in both ends of the pitch and had one of the best performances in the UCL finals history. He prevented many developing scoring chances in their own end and dominated ball battles in the midfield. Overall, he had 85% pass accuracy. He won 11 duels, which was most in the game, had 10 ball recoveries, and he won the most aerial battles while standing at 5 foot 6. Not a big deal. He was probably the best player in the Champions League this season as well. And even though I predicted that the city would win the final, I'm also at the same time quite glad that after such a sovereign season in the Premier League, they eventually couldn't win any other major trophy, excluding the Carabao Cup. After that being said, we can casually move on to the major signings that have already occurred in the European football scene, because City has already been involved as well. Their former star striker, Sergio Aguero, signed two-year contract this week with the Spanish giant FC Barcelona. And alongside Aguero, Barca also acquired 20-year-old Spanish center back Eric Garcia from the Sky Blues, who came through Barcelona's youth teams and was also named to the Spanish team for the Euros this summer. Last addition to their squad so far, was also the acquisition of Brazilian right-back Emerson from fellow Spanish side Real Betis. Red Bull Leipzig has also been fairly active in the transfer market, and the first departure was their 22-year-old centre-back Ibrahima Conate. Liverpool paid 40 million euros for the French youngster, who will battle for a starting 11 spot with his English counterpart Joe Gomez. Another promising centre-back heading out of Leipzig was Dayad Upamecano who was acquired by the German giant Bayer München with a transfer fee of 42.5 million euros. On the flip side, Leipzig acquired two young centre-backs in return, Josko Gvardiol from Croatian side Dinamo Zagreb and Mohamed Simakan from the French side R.C. Strasbourg. And confirmed the transfers of wingbacks Angelino from City and Benjamin Hendricks from AS Monaco after a long stint at Leipzig. We'll see what kind of acquisitions the German side might do with the boosted transfer budget this summer, since those three were mainly debt additions with the exception of Angelino. Paris Saint Germain confirmed that the Portuguese defensive midfielder Danilo Pereira will stay in the club after seizing long loan from FC Porto and the same happened in Italy when Juventus solidified their deal with FC Schalke by paying 18.5 million transfer fee for their American midfield prospect Wes McKinney. Los Blancos acquired Austrian defender David Alaba from Bayern as a free transfer and AC Milan acquired goalkeeper Mike Mainan from Lille with 13 million euro transfer fee. This was necessary move since Milan's starter Gianluigi Donnarumma is a free agent this summer and will most certainly seek for a bigger paycheck elsewhere. Napoli confirmed the acquisition of Italian forward Matteo Politano from Inter after season long loan and last notable deal was between Stuttgart and Dortmund for young goaltender Gregor Kobel for 15 million euro transfer fee. But overall those have been the major moves so far. There have been multiple signings after loan spells. For many teams but I'm not going to go any further into those since we are mostly waiting for the big time moves. Lastly I wanted to mention a few notable transfers that haven't been confirmed yet but will most likely get published in the next coming days. Gigi Wijnaldum is expected to move out of Liverpool to strengthen even more the Spanish giant Barcelona. And Arsenal midfielder Matteo Guendouzi, who was on loan at Hertha Berlin, this season is expected to sign for French side Marseille rather sooner than later. I'm expecting very interesting summer transfer window this year, since many big players are free agents and there have been many talks that involve key players moving around Europe. And as we already can see, the big boys are on the move only concern could be the euros and the olympics which might put brakes on negotiations or in the worst case a player gets injured which could harm the negotiations and overall drop the value of the player but of course i'm not hoping for that to happen with that said i think we reached the weekly quota for european football and we can smoothly move on to the World Ice Hockey Championships, a.k.a. the Skoda Cup. And like I mentioned in the previous episode, it was pretty much a coin flip for the first part of the group stage games. Thus now we have the remaining eight teams, which made their way to the quarterfinals. And the biggest surprise was the elimination of Sweden, who went 3-3-1 three, three and, and had the goal difference of 21-14. But still lost the fourth spot to Slovakia who had one more win over Sweden. And their goal difference was minus five but still made their way to the playoff rounds with that one extra win. Sweden suffered with few injuries which impacted the team's performance to a some degree. Since one of their brightest talents and their top pairing D-man in the tournament Nils Lundqvist was injured against Switzerland and also their number one point-getter at the time, Karl Klingberg, was out of the lineup with lower body injury. In addition to those two losses against Denmark and Belarus, to start the tournament led them kind of out of the playoff rounds. From the Group A, the four teams in correct order to the quarterfinals are Russia, Switzerland, Czech Republic and Slovakia. And from the B-group, four survivors are USA, Finland, Germany and Canada. In the quarterfinals, USA will face Slovakia, Finland faces Czech Republic, Russia takes on Canada and Switzerland will face up against Germany. And the most anticipated games will probably be Finland against Czech and Russia against Canada. USA has been solid throughout the tournament. They've had good goaltending, their defense has been solid and the three-headed monster of Connor Garland from Arizona, Jason Robertson from Dallas and LA Kings forward Trevor Moore have been terrorizing teams with their skill and speed. It has also been nice to watch smooth skating Rangers defenseman Jack Jones operate the blue line as well as this year's possible top three pick Matthew Bernier's cause havoc in the opposing team's end. Slovakia's best player so far has been former Bruins forward Petr Selarik, who has notched 10 points in seven games and currently leads the tournament in points alongside Canada's Connor Brown. Other than Celarik forwards Marek Hrivik, And Robert Lantosi have carried the Slovaks offense for the most part. I can see an upset in this matchup but still I believe that the US will make its way through because Slovakia has taken two fat L's in their last two matches. In the next matchup Finland will take on Czech Republic and both of their tournaments have been quite average so far. Still they have few bright spots in their roster. Anton Lundell, the first-round draft pick by Florida Panthers, has been their best player alongside Buffalo Sabres forward Artur Ruotsalainen, and they have established good chemistry between each other. Defenseman Tony Sund has also chipped in offensively and overall, their defense has been pretty solid and they haven't allowed many goals so far in the tournament. Their both goaltenders have stopped the rubber throughout the tournament and their usual two-way game has solidified their spot in the top eight. But we'll see what happens when they face the pesky Jacks. They've been able to produce offensively and distribute the scoring between their top three lines. Right-handed D-man Filip Ronek has been leading their back end and players like Dominic Kubalik, Jacob Vrana. And veteran Jan Kovar have carried their offense. They have been pretty well composed team, and like I said, they've been distributing the responsibility well amongst their lineup. Only big concern is their goaltending, which hasn't been top-notch so far, but both of their goalies are KHL caliber, so they can steal games on a good day. As a Finn, I'm expecting them to go through to the semis but I see the Czechs really putting brakes on that thought as well From the group B, the Swiss will take on Germany It is a fairly even matchup where both teams have hidden firepower and Switzerland's top scorers are amongst the best in the tournament They are led by NHLers Timo Meyer, Niko Hichier Filip Kurashev Alongside tournament veterans, Andreas Ambul, Sven Andrigato, Christoph Berci and Gregory Hoffman, who has 8 points in 7 games, by the way. They've been solid so far, but their level of play has fluctuated tremendously during the tournament, and their goaltending can be their weakest link. Matthias Niederberger has been outstanding for the Germans and holds a save C-percentage of .939 and his goals against average is at 1.62 they don't have such firepower up front but they have capable scorers in Marcel Nöbel's and Matthias Plahta they also have two very intriguing prospects in this tournament first round draft pick for the Chicago Blackhawks Lukas Reichel with two goals and four assists so far And this year's defenseman of the year in the SHL, Detroit Red Wings first round draft pick, Moritz Seider, with four assists thus far. Both players have showed already that they will be superstars in the next stage, and especially Seider has looked like a veteran for the Germans. Overall, I see the Swiss taking out Germans, based on the fact that Germany has been struggling a bit against more competitive teams. The last but certainly not the least exciting matchup is the so-called Russian Olympic athletes against Canada. The Russians at this point are the team to beat in the tournament, especially after the addition of Dmitry Orlov to their back end, Vladimir Tarasenko to their already lethal offense, and Ilya Samsonov to their crease. They've got solid goaltending already, and a big factor has been their defense, which has been rock-solid. They have good mix of physicality as well as puck-moving ability in their blue line with Demon Vladislav Gavrikov, Nikita Nesterov, Ivan Provorov, Nikita Zadorov and Artyom Zub, and their offense ain't bad either. Shark forward Alexander Barabanov has 8 points in 7 games, Mikhail Grigorenko has seven points in four games. Former Oiler Anton Shlepyshev has six points, and finally, Sergei Tolchinsky and prospect Dmitry Voronkov are one-of from point per game pace. Russians play with high pace, and their puck skills have showed in this tournament. They move the puck with precision and will take advantage of opposing teams' mistakes in their own half. They face up against Canadian team which barely made their way through to the quarterfinals and has been anything than bulletproof in this tournament. Their best players, Conor Brown, Adam Henrique, and Andrew Mangiapane, have carried the team's offense and their goaltending as well, as defense has to step up if they want any chance of beating the Russians. They have pretty young decor And it has been a reliability for them at times. And the same can be said about their offense, which hasn't provided enough, excluding the three guys mentioned before. Owen Power, possible top three pick in this year's draft, has showed that he can contribute with three assists in seven games. But still, he's only 18 years old and is not expected to make a huge impact in their back end. Darcy Kemper has been a huge disappointment and his teammate Aiden Hill hasn't been lights out either. Hopefully, Canada can pick up the pace and we could see an electrifying match between the two teams. But for now, I have my monies on Russia. Okay, now that this Koda Cup is done with, we can take a breath and take a quick look how the NBA playoffs are unfolding two teams already made their way to the next round and they were the Milwaukee Bucks by sweeping the Miami Heat, bet you heard that before and the Brooklyn Nets in 5 games unfortunately the Nets didn't sweep the Celtics so I was one off my prediction but both teams were the first to advance 76ers are currently one win away from advancing and I see them clinching the series in their next game at home. Utah Jazz is currently leading the series against Grizzlies 3-1 and if world doesn't end tomorrow I see them winning the next game at home since they have won their last three games with relative ease. Denver Nuggets are one win away as well but Damian Lillard is really pushing the envelope and in last night's match he became the first NBA player in history to notch 50 points at 10 assists and finish the game with 12 three-pointers made in the regular season or playoff game he will need the assistance of C.G. McCollum if they want to take it to 7 and advance to the next round since Nikola Jokic has been a factor for the Nuggets Last matchup, Phoenix Suns versus Los Angeles Lakers is currently 3-2 for the Suns with their latest victory. It has been a back and forth series so far and the 6th game will be played in Staples Center in Los Angeles. And the Lakers really need Anthony Davis back in their lineup if they want to advance. He suffered a groin injury in their 4th game and was out of the lineup for the 5th one. The usual suspects, Devin Booker and LeBron James, have battled it out. But Booker has received assistance from veteran guard Chris Paul and center DeAndre Payton as well. I see this matchup going to seven games because LeBron can take one game from the Suns. And the deciding factor will be if Davis is able to come back for the last game. Then... First things first, if you are a Toronto Maple Leafs fan, I feel sorry for you, buddy. 17-year drought. Unbelievable. And with that roster, Jesus Christ. Well, at least I was aware of playoff carry price, but god damn you guys choked on a big one this time. 3-1 Three to one series lead heading to Toronto to clinch this series, but what happens? Two to nothing after the first period. The Leafs got back to even, but in overtime, the so-called double agent Alex Kalcheniak served a nice greasy pizza straight to Cole Caulfield's tape on the offensive blue line. And that's that. We move on to the sixth game. Two on two before overtime. First time people are allowed into the building. Carey Price with over 30 saves. And Toronto's first line nowhere to be seen. But yeah, Mitch Marner made his mark by taking an absolute joke of a penalty. When he dumped the puck of the ice into the crowd. Which led to the Habs power play goal in the third period. 15-15 played in the first overtime. And Jesper Kotkanemi won the game for the Habs. You know exactly where this is going. Game 7 in Toronto. Pressure is on. And the Maple Leafs are without John Tavares and Jake Muzzin. Who suffered injury in the sixth game. First period. 0-0. Second period, Brendan Gallagher starts the scoring and on the power play, Nick Suzuki shoots one off Corey Perry's leg and the Canadians lead the game 2-0 at the end of the second. Enter sad music. Third period, only breathing souls for the Leafs are Jack Campbell, Zach Hyman, William Nylander and probably a couple of others as well. Taller Foley, empty net goal, and that's it. Nylander scores one to add to his score sheet, but the Maple Leafs start their offseason right there and then. They actually came out with the David Copperfield trick I mentioned in the previous episode because they were so sovereign in the three games they won before the downfall. I will only add that they will have the same metal circus ahead of them as the others do, since they were dominant in the regular season but disappeared once the real games started. We'll see what happens. And sorry Maple Leafs fans, if I was you, I would consider changing the sport, because this was the year you guys had the chance. But this point forward... You will probably be underdogs Every year you make the playoffs For the matchups In the quarterfinals I'm going to go through them Quite quickly since I've laid the land in the first two episodes First matchup Is the Carolina Hurricanes Against Tampa Bay Lightning Tampa currently leads the series 2-0 And I don't have much to add since Tampa has been lights out Nikita Kucherov Braden Point and Victor Hedman just take over games and Andrei Vasilevsky is undoubtedly the best goaltender in the league period. Lightning will advance like many of us would expect. Next up, Boston against the Islanders. This series is tied 1-1 and will be a hard-fought battle all the way through. Boston took the first match by the score of 5-2 and the Islanders came back to even in the second game by winning 43. Even though the Islanders have the shutdown ability, I don't see them beating the Bruins now that their depth has stepped up and started scoring for them as well. Only concern for the Bruins is the injuries they've suffered. Greg Smith, Jacob Sporil and Kevin Miller are currently out, so others need to step up. But then there's Tuukka Rask, who can win them games. I'm going to say in 7. In the north, the remaining two teams are the Winnipeg Jets and previously mentioned Montreal Canadiens. This series will be a goalie battle between Carey Price and Connor Hellebuck. Hellebuck has been outstanding and the Jets just dumped the Oilers in the first round. Both teams are on a roll. Canadians come in hot. And just recently finished their first series where the Jets have been able to rest and regroup. Jets don't have any injury concerns while Habs have a couple of missing players and few players were roughed up in their first matchup. I think the Habs will put up a fight and probably take the first game but eventually I see the Jets advancing after such a and series against the Oilers. Their top two lines are now intact and firing on all cylinders. I say the Jets in sex. Last matchup is the Colorado Avalanche against Vegas Golden Knights. And the first game between these two was a total pounding. 7-1 to for the Avs. That won't be the level for the Knights for the rest of this series. But boy, is the Avalanche first line starting to heat up at the right time. Nate Dogg is an absolute unit on skates. Rantanen just casually puts the puck in the net. Gabe Landeskog is the net front presence. And Kale McCarr is participating in the Dancing on Ice show during these playoffs. He's an absolute joke on the blue line. And also, Philip Grubauer can stop the puck, so there you have it. Good luck, Golden Knights. Like I said, Avs are the team to beat, and if there isn't any major injury, They will walk the Knights out of the playoffs in five games at Tops. So. And that's that for this episode. Hope you enjoyed. This time we had a lot to cover so I greatly appreciate if you followed all along until the end. It's been a pleasant journey so far. Frankly, it is still very young. But if you want to support me you can share the link to the podcast on your social media. Hopefully we would reach out to more people that way thanks once again for your support you guys have been awesome with your feedback my hope is that I can provide you with something new each week or at least entertain you for the length of each episode I have nothing else to add so have a great weekend the weather is certainly pleasant so go enjoy that at least if nothing else but otherwise stay tuned stay safe until next time all right